What's up, church planners, pastors, and disciple makers? My name is Jared Huntley, coming to you from Washington, D.C., and I'm with my good friend Logan Douglas, who's coming to you from Reykjavik, Iceland. You are listening to In the Trenches, a podcast by ordinary church planters that exists to encourage and equip other church planters and pastors to make disciples in hard places. Logan, good afternoon. How are you doing, man? Uh, I'm doing well, Jared. It is evening here, afternoon there. Yes. Um, <laughs> and uh, quite an evening it is. We're, we um, are about to get some of the coldest weather in Iceland that we've had in several years. Whoa. So that's like going to be fun. How cold is the coldest weather? And you have to do it in Fahrenheit for our American um, listeners. It's supposed to get down to negative 12 Celsius, which if I'm not mistaken is somewhere in the teens mm-hmm. um, on Fahrenheit scale. So yep. uh, that is supposed to be happening. Uh, so that that's exciting. Um, but that yeah, so it's interesting, people. like living in a country where there's not like central air and heat. Uh, so there are radiators yeah. and they, they pump out hot water to heat homes. Uh, literally, there was kind of government guidance on being really frugal with your hot water mm-hmm. um, a, this weekend and leading up to the weekend so that we don't run out of hot water because yeah. they want people to have hot water to be able to heat their homes. Yep. So that was from, a, you know, from Mississippi. That's not something that I'm used to uh kind of hearing but yeah things are going well uh you know by the grace of god things with redeemer city church are going well but uh still online which uh i think you're in the same boat as of now is that correct how are things up in your neck of the woods oh well we're not completely online we do but we are uh we have restrictions new restrictions that have kind of been put in place so right now 50 is the limit to worship gatherings uh, in D.C. So we're not allowed to have uh, more than 50 people in our worship gatherings. Um, there's uh, not not a limit like that on other things, but that's neither here nor there. But <laughs> um, but yeah, man, it's 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 been it's been good. Like, honestly, like even despite the the new, you know, uh, restrictions and everything, I feel like looking back over the past nine months, you know, God has been really good, uh, you know, and he has grown our church in, in many ways, you know, he's grown our people spiritually and we've seen people come to Christ. And so, um, I think at, at this point we're just kind of like, okay, well, you know, if this is what God's calling us to walk through, like, then we'll do that. He's been faithful to us thus far and he's sustained us and he'll continue to do that. So we don't need to worry or try to, you know, kick against the goads. We just need to trust him through the process. So, uh, so yeah, we'll be doing, uh, we're doing the sign up services now where we're having people, yeah. you know, sign up so that we uh, make sure we stay out of that 50 number and then uh, just tell them the rest of our members to watch the live stream from home. Uh, so that's kind of what we're doing. Okay. Yeah. Well, praise God for technology that uh, allows us not only to do podcasts like this from across the ocean, but also uh, to be safe and um, yeah, in these kind of crazy times. So. Definitely. Definitely does. Man, we're going to be talking about a pretty uh, important topic today. And so I think it'd be good to just go ahead and jump into this um, because there's a lot to cover in not a whole lot of time. So we're going to be talking about the the minister or the pastor and sexual sin. Uh, I think, I mean, obviously this, this 
episode, this topic will be relevant to any Christian, but we're going to specifically be talking about this, um, you know, in the context of somebody who is in, you know, ministry and, uh, and some to some degree. So it seems like every couple of months, you know, we're hearing about some fairly well-known pastor who's getting exposed for sexual sin and that's coming out and they're, you know, getting fired or what have you. Um, and you know, I've, I've read studies in the past before where it said that like well over 50% of church going men, um, you know, are regularly viewing pornography. I mean, the, the statistics are, are astounding, not just outside the church, but within the church. And, um, just even as, you know, I just, inexperienced, man. Like as I continue to do ministry and as I continue to talk to Christian men, one of the recurring, um, sin issues that continues to come up over and over and over again is sexual sin. Uh, whether that's, you know, um, you know, sexual morality or pornography or, you know, whatever form that takes. And, um, that's concerning, honestly. Um, and you know, I, I know, I, you know, I've, I found that it runs, you know, rampant in our, our culture and in our, our churches too. And so I guess the question I'd like to start off with is why do you think that is? Like, why is it running so rampant even in our churches and amongst ministers? Well, first, I think that, um, I mean, I, I just think that this is kind of a, a timeless struggle. Um, and I, I know that our culture specifically um, has its own unique issues with access and things like that. And um, but I mean, sexual sin is in the Bible. I mean, mm-hmm. there there are so many warnings against sexual sin. So I, 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 there's just some some way in which Satan um, just knows how to lure and tempt and entice us into sexual sin and there's something i believe just uh i mean we're called to flee it we're not called to stand and fight it we're you know there's this there's this idea that it is just something that's broken in us so in our sin nature this is a very prominent way in which we are um prone to wander away from god's holiness and so that's one of the things that just makes me think you know why why is this such a major issue for the church is because it, it's I think it always has been. I mean, here in my own context, <clears throat> I read about uh, an Icelandic bishop in the 16th century, shortly after his appointment to the office, had a child out of wedlock. And I mean, if you really pay attention to church history, I mean, if you pay attention to the Bible, I mean, the story of David, um, I mean, I'm, I'm really landing a lot on the Bible, but I mean, he he commits sexual sin and murder, um, and we see all kinds of sexual sin in both the Old and New Testament. So, I mean, I just think that sin is the primary driver um, behind, I mean, all of what is wrong in the world, and it's uh, sexual sin is at first sin. Um, but yeah, I, I and I just think that with access is one thing within the church there, you know, a lack of the church, I think a lack of biblical community, you know, feeling not safe, being able to actually talk about these things openly um, and have people who don't just say, 
hey, I'll pray for you or me too. But actually like, hey, this, we're going to work together by the power of God's spirit with the word to, to fight this, mm-hmm. to, to overcome this, to resist this. Um, so, I mean, I think, you know, within churches, there, there's a culture that doesn't really um, encourage openness in this way. It just feels like a taboo topic to where I think if, if you're listening to this, uh, you probably know this. There's just some things you don't feel comfortable telling anyone, uh, and especially in a church. And I think that's because our churches have a cultural problem. You know, we should be able to tell our brothers and sisters about our sins. We should be able to confess it to people who are very close to us. And they're supposed to walk with us in that. This is a very Galatians 6. Um, you know, when your brother's ensnared in sin, caught in sin, you go and you help him. Mm. Um, but I don't know if a lot of people are willing to do that. And therefore, I don't know if a lot of people are willing to talk about it. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that that's definitely, you know, one of the, the issues is that it's, it kind of, it lurks underneath the surface almost, uh, because, you know, like we're, we're definitely in a hypersexualized culture, right? Where, you know, that's one of the reasons in my opinion that, you know, this is such a pervasive issue, but I also agree with you that this, there's nothing new under the sun that, you know, sexual sin has been a, you know, one of the primary, you know, um, you know, temptations that the evil one has used to tempt Christians uh, and to distort God's good design from, you know, the garden. And, uh, but I I think that one of the unique things about um, our current climate is especially with uh, just the, the advent of like social media and now, you know, pornography uh, that sexual immorality can be engaged in discreetly, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the access is so easy to, uh, you know, sexually explicit material. Uh, and now, and now we've, you know, we've also come up with all sorts of ways to, uh, try to, um, as you know, to minimize the consequences that come from sexual morality, right? So there's, you know, abortion is, you know, now, uh, you know, extremely common and in many cases even free and easy to access. And, you know, there's, there's pills that you can take, there's birth control, things that didn't used to exist, right? There were, uh, you know, I think consequences to your actions were much more easier to come by uh, when it came to sexual morality back in the day. Uh, and even, you know, now, uh, you know, one of the other things is that we live in a culture now that that's quite frankly celebrates sexual immorality. And so I think people feel more emboldened to, uh, you know, to, to engage in it because it's not as frowned upon, right? It's not as taboo and there's not social consequences maybe like there has been in other places and at other times in history. I mean, obviously in some places around the world, there are social consequences to sexual immorality still, but uh, not particularly here. And so because it can be, you know, done without any, you know, visible, meaningful consequences or immediate consequences now, uh, in many cases, I think that it makes people feel safe in their sexual sin, even though they're not, uh, sexual sin is not safe. Um, it's very dangerous. Um, and you know, like Romans two tells us that, um, that, you know, our consciences confirm 
that we know God's law and our thoughts, you know, it says that our competing thoughts will either accuse or excuse us on the day when God judges what people have kept secret according to my gospel through Christ Jesus is what Paul writes. So God knows the secrets of our hearts. He knows what we do and those things are going to be judged. And so there are eternal consequences uh, to our actions, even if we suppress that truth. So, uh, but people don't think about those things. Um, and you know, I, 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 you know, the other thing I would say is, um, just that was specifically as it pertains to pastors, I think the lack of accountability, um, is a big deal. Um, I think that a lot of pastors and church planters don't open their lives up to others and they're almost like insulated by the position that they hold and, Um, maybe don't feel like they have anybody that they can be vulnerable with. Uh, I think a lot of, you know, pastors like want somebody that they can mm-hmm. be honest with and vulnerable with, but they just don't have anybody. Um, because of oftentimes the way our churches are structured, we've got one person at the top, or maybe there is a plurality of elders in your church, but you know, like you're the quote unquote lead planter. And so you still don't feel like you can actually truly tell your fellow elders what's really going on in your private life or your thought life. And man, that's just a dangerous place to be. If you don't have anybody who has some authority to speak into your life that you can be honest with about those things. Yeah. And it, it, again, it, it, when I think about this and I think about this, Specifically, what you're talking about with the leader, the pastor, and the accountability. I mean, if that guy is the guy that everyone's looking at, you know, the the primary preaching pastor of a church, in a lot of ways, is the culture shaper, the trendsetter. You know, they they, they set the tone and the look and the feel. I mean, we know this. We're told this in church planning. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, some people lean into that. Some people go away from that. But it, it's not something that's untrue right and so if you have a person who is showing this kind of isolation not being vulnerable not sharing with other people their sins that's going to find itself into the culture of the church Mm -hmm. that's going to create a model of ministry uh, among the leaders and among leadership that we don't talk about our sins you know, we, we don't confess our sins. We don't seek prayer to have the Spirit's help to overcome these sins. Um, and, and I mean, it just, it leads to a culture where, you know, no one struggles with sin. Yep. Or we struggle with, you know, I, I, I got frustrated with my wife. That's the deepest, darkest sin you've got. Man, you're doing great. <laughs> you don't lust. You don't you know, ever feel tempted for vanity or pride, trying to build your own kingdom. Uh, You don't ever get angry, like not just frustrated or irritated, like angry. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think if we really just dug through some layers, most all ministry leaders, because they're human, are going to be like, yeah, I struggle with lust. I struggle with greed. I struggle with pride. But if we aren't, now I'm not saying from the pulpit, I'm saying if we aren't within our circles of plurality of elders, life group, 
some sort of culture in our church where we are showing other leaders or other people in our church that when we sin, we confess that sin. We seek prayer to help fight that sin, and we seek accountability in our pursuit to be sanctified, then we shouldn't be shocked when our church is really superficial when it comes to dealing with sin, mm-hmm. especially sexual sin. Yeah. And your and your church, yeah, you need to be able to model that to be vulnerable, you know, to your people to some degree. Like you you've got to be wise about it. Uh, you know, you don't want to air all of your dirty laundry, uh, you know, as a pastor, I think, you know, to the entire congregation. But you do need you to talk to your fellow elders, you know, and you, there needs to be openness there. I think if you don't have enough trust with your fellow elders to be able to like be completely open and honest and vulnerable with them about what's going on in your life, including your sin struggles, then that's an unhealthy leadership team. Just to be honest, it's not, and it's not a true plurality of eldership. Um, and there's some work that needs to be done in that regard. Probably some work needs to be done in your own heart. You need to probably ask like, why, you know, why do I not trust, uh, these other elders? Why do I not feel like I'm safe to be able to confess this to them? Is it because, you know, I'm afraid they're going to judge me? Uh, is there any, you know, validity to that, you know, fear is it because they, Mm-hmm. Are the kind of people that judge judge other people all the time, or is it just because yeah. you know, like, or is it because I think that I'm supposed to be, you know, the 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 top guy, the boss, you know, and that I can't show any weakness and you know stuff like that? Like a lot of times, it's just just lies, you know. But the other it's thing, all I was pride gonna... too. I mean, I, everything. Oh, that sure. you, it's just so much pride and ignorance, and you know, thinking that you're not susceptible. Yeah. And I mean, one of the things that I mean. If you're listening to this and you're in the West, if you're in Western Europe, the United States, Canada, wherever, like, there is so much sexualization. As you said, we are a hyper-sexualized culture. I mean, look at the statistics. Don't bury your head in in the sand. Like, people in your church are looking at porn. Absolutely, they are. And and (laughs) there are pastors falling from prominent positions in ministry because of sexual failure. And if you don't, I mean, if you go into a context, like a missionary context, and you try to exegete your culture so that you know how to speak the word of truth to it, how to address um, not felt needs, but real like ways in which people understand life and relate to things within scripture, um, and you understand that the people that you are leading and shepherding all kind of struggle with a, a common cultural sin that that is something that's going to put them against the current of the culture, then you that's a prayer point. That's a point of uh, discussion. That's a point of small group discussion. That's a point of accountability. And for us in the West, it is porn. It is the mm-hmm. over-sexualization. I mean, we... You can't get away from uh, a news feed. You can't get away from a social media account. You can't get away from normal television without seeing hypersexualization. That's right. And so if we're not taking the initiative to be mindful, prayerful, and proactive, then the culture is going to shape the sexual uh, ethic in our churches and not the Bible. Yeah. And you've got to, so 
you've got to be able to take the initiative uh, on that as a pastor um, uh, of your church. You and and, I, and you've got to create that culture of accountability within the elder team. I think first and foremost, and within your your staff. And and I also think you've also got to be careful that you're you, you've got to create a culture of like grace in your church where people feel safe to be able to confess those things. Right, like you know, people will. Um, you know, the reason that people conceal their sin is because they're fearful of judgment, right? I mean, that's why Adam and Eve hid from God in the garden, um, because they knew they were guilty. They knew they had sinned against God. And there was just this natural, you know, like feeling of fear. And what, you know, Christians need to be reminded of and to understand is that, yes, sin is very serious and it's deadly. Sexual sin is deadly um, and it is not to be trifled with or taken lightly. Um, it, it literally, you know, deserves death. And yet if we have trusted in Christ, then Christ um, has died for our sins. He was the propitiation for our sins. We've been justified by the blood of Jesus. And, uh, you know, because of that, uh, we are saved from the wrath of God. That's what Romans chapter five, verse nine says. I was just studying that this morning. It says, um, since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. So while sexual sin deserves the wrath of God, we're saved by the blood of Christ. And we need to have a culture in our churches where we remind each other of that and where we know and believe that if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But if we say we have no sin, we make God a liar, right? Is what first John one goes on to say, and the truth is not in us. So saying that, well, no, you know, just denying and refusing to confess sin, um, is, is dangerous, right? And it's only going to, you know, build up and, and destroy you. So I think like, that's the first thing is like, if you're listening to this and you're in ministry or if you're not in ministry, like the first thing you need to do is if you have been, you know, you know, indulging in sexual sin, whether that is watching pornography or whether you are in an inappropriate relationship with somebody. Um, you know, I don't, I don't even care if you're actually having intercourse, like if you're doing anything, even if it's like emotional affair, you know, something like that. Like if you've just been flirting with somebody other than your wife, anything like that, right? If you're, you know, struggling with just lustful thoughts, right? Maybe you're not watching anything you're not supposed to, but you constantly are having lustful thoughts. Like you need to confess that you've got to, to, and you've got to know that when you do and you go and you seek mercy from God, that you'll receive it because Jesus paid for your sin on the cross. That's why. Um, but you can't stay where you are. And that's the first step towards creating a culture in your church where others are going to feel safe in being able to be open about their sin struggles, specifically with sexual sin, um, so that they can begin to put that sin to death because as long as it's in the dark, you can't put it to death. It's going to continue to thrive underneath the surface and it's going to ravage your church. And especially, I mean, it affects men and women, but it, boy, it really hits the men hard, especially when it comes to pornography. And it just, it's going to have all kinds of, of negative effects on 
a congregation like Logan, like, like I'll, you know, I'm sure we both could say a lot, but I think it'd be good just to kind of go over like, what are some of the, the damaging effects that unchecked sexual sin can have in a uh, pastor's life? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, one of the first things that come to mind, uh, you know, that even before it ever gets to the public, um, kind of derailment of a ministry and they will get there. Um, any sin distances you from God, mm-hmm. you know, there, there, when you choose to rebel against God, there is, uh, a removal in a way, not eternal, but in a way from the abiding in Christ, from the obedience, from the, from the fellowship and the walking in a manner worthy of the calling of Christ, bearing, you know, fruit of the spirit. There, there's something that you're doing that is, you know, if repentance is walking with God towards God, then, then sin is turning your back to him and doing your own thing. Mm-hmm. And so it does create this, this distance between you and just the glorious radiance of Christ. Um, and, you know, and it has effects. There's a searing of conscience. There's a hardening of hearts. Uh, and if you truly have the Holy Spirit, there's a conviction that easily, if it doesn't turn to confession, turns to shame. And mm. shame creates this perfect kind of dark and moist place for <laughs> more sin to grow, where you keep things hidden. That's a gross so, word, moist. Yeah. And this, that's <laughs> it's, why sin grows there. It's gross. It is. And, and it grows, and, and as it goes from just your personal private devotion, it's going to go to how you lead and love. It's going to affect the way you lead and love your family and how you lead and love your church. You're going to start being, you're going to start understanding that if this gets out, then it could ruin you. Yep. And so what then happens is you become protective, you become paranoid, and it, it will affect your allowing other people if you ever did to speak into your life yep. and you keep feeding this sin you keep keeping it in the dark it keeps growing and growing and it again it affects those that you love and those that you lead and so um if people know about it or people suspect it and it's it, you're the lead guy again you're setting the culture you know well this person does it they don't address it you know they don't have any accountability no one's speaking into their life and I can think of so many pastors who probably had a group of people who knew their patterns. Maybe they met with women without their wife, who weren't their wives on a regular basis. Maybe they had a very flirtatious relationship with a female that was kind of they were aware of. Maybe they went on trips, speaking engagements, and went by themselves uh, without their wife. And maybe they worked really all the time really late and didn't have accountability software and you know were very isolated like that you can see these things that were like man i i really should have pressed him like hey are you being wise Mm -hmm. there's a real enemy there's a real devil prowling around um and we want to protect you we want to protect you but we also want to protect the name of christ and then you get to the big it comes out they had an affair yeah um devastating yeah just devastates your your relationship and the renown of Christ. 
It devastates your relationship with your wife if you have children. It devastates that. It devastates the church. Young Christians don't understand how the the spiritual leader of our church could could do this. It makes them fearful. Mm-hmm. You know, can I be protected? I mean, and then if it gets public. And it just becomes the talking point of all kinds of people. It's like, oh yeah, this is what they're really like. Yeah. This is what Christians are really like. And Logan, I wanna, I wanna just pause right here because it's something I'm thinking about. I was talking with somebody about this just this week. You know, I think a lot of guys, a lot of pastors hear hear this and they agree. And there's there's a lot of pastors out there though. Um, unfortunately, who, uh, who are indulging in sexual sin, but they're not, not, they're not in an adulterous relationship with like another person. Right. Um, they are like watching things they're not supposed to though. They're watching sexually explicit content and they are, you know, indulging in lustful thoughts, things like that. And that's kind of just been ongoing. And maybe it's something that they kind of struggle with up and down. They have seasons where it's better, but they just, it's kind of has just continued to, to, persists for years and years and years and they when 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 they hear you talking about what you're talking about you know how your ministry could be destroyed and all that stuff it's almost like they kind of feel safe from that because that only happens to people who have actual affairs Mm -hmm. and i guess just like what i want to say to you if you have been indulging in sexual sin and but you know maybe you're not okay having an actual affair with another human being but you need to remember the words of jesus in matthew 5 that if you look at a woman with lust for her you have already committed adultery with her in your heart and so you may not get exposed as an adulterer and have your name all over the news like Carl Lentz's recently was. But I can assure you that you are going to stand before God one day and he sees and he knows everything that's going on and it will be exposed. And according to Jesus, your viewing of sexually explicit material is no different than what Carl Lentz got exposed for, which was having an actual adulterous affair. Yeah. And then one of the things that... So I described... What I believe is the public, yeah. you know, the, the kind of public bad fruit or works of the flesh. Um, and I'm not saying that uh, if you're listening to this, that that needs to be something that is um, the main thrust. But the question is, when, when you're convicted, is this worldly grief or godly grief, mm-hmm. like godly sorrow mm-hmm. Have you, you know, are you with David in Psalm 51 crying out against you alone, God, have I sinned? Not the woman who I had an affair with, not her husband who I murdered, but you. I sinned against you. And it's so true, Jared, what you said. We, we need to be mindful that we are sinning against God and we will stand yep. in front of Jesus one day and give an account for every sin. Um, and so there's a great book I want to recommend by a pastor named Heath Lambert called Finally Free. Mm. And in Finally Free, Heath uh, talks about two forms of grace. There's forgiving grace. There's transforming grace. And so one of the things I want to just say to any listener who's struggling with pornography or any type of sexual uh, temptation, sexual addiction There is forgiving, redemptive grace in Christ. And you need to know this. And there's also transforming grace to help you to be no longer this old self, but slowly at times and painfully 
this addiction can be lessened and you can walk in freedom. Um, but it's a, it's a community project. It's you, Mm -hmm. it's God, the spirit, it's God's word, and it's the people of God, uh, in your church. And if you're a church leader and you feel like you don't have those people, reach out to us, you know, reach out to the pastor down the street that you trust, reach out to your sending church, reach out to a former seminarian, reach out to just a Christian brother in the church who you think can just handle uh, this in a way that isn't just going to be lip service, but it's going to result in prayer and accountability. Because, you know, I don't think Carl Lentz woke up um, 10 years ago and said, you know what, I really want to get to the height of celebrity uh, as a pastor. And then I want to have a very public affair and ruin my ministry and my reputation. No, I don't think it started like that. Of course not. No, it never does. Does it? Um, but yeah, I, um, I, I'd agree. Uh, you know, if you're, if this is, you know, something that is at all remotely an issue in your life, man, go to war, uh, against your sin, you know, first of all, like do whatever it takes. Uh, so get enlist the help of others around you. It's a community project. Like Logan said, uh, remove stuff from your life. You know, if you got to get rid of, if you got to get a flip phone, if you got to put programs on your computer, like accountability software, things like that. Um, you know, uh, and, and go and talk to somebody like right now, like go and confess if you've been, you know, indulging in sin, like just don't keep going down that direction, shine light on it and then focus on the grace of God and Christ, um, cling to the gospel, allow the gracious love of God to soften your heart and draw you back to him. Uh, you know, again, like we were saying earlier, you don't need to hide in the bushes like Adam and Eve in shame. Uh, God has, has covered your sin, uh, by the blood of Jesus he's, and he's given you the Holy spirit who empowers you to say no to temptation, including sexual temptation. You don't have to live as a slave to sin anymore. So uh, we're praying for you and uh, praying that God continues to give um, uh, believers victory over the sin, especially shepherds that are shepherding their flocks. So uh, then I want to thank you all for listening to this week's episode in the trenches. We pray this episode was a blessing to you. Head on over to www.getinthetrenches.com and there you can find links to all of our other episodes and we've got blog posts coming out on a regular basis so we'd love for you to check out some of that uh, content Uh, and we are going to be back next Monday with another episode of In the Trenches so until then go out there and get in those trenches church planners (laughs) 